Ten seconds. All right. You know what it is. You know who it is. We're back with another podcast. Today, episode 17 of the Thrive AmTap, as much talking as possible podcast. We got a special guest, the one and only Steve Buckley. Steve. Hello. He's going to be interviewing us today. Well, kind of. It's going to be an interview style podcast. He's got some questions for us. And uh, we're going to go for 28 minutes and uh, we're going to get started. So let's do it. Uh Hello, everybody. I spent 20 minutes this week creating a short list of 10 questions I want answered. I think they're interesting, and I'm sure our listeners will find that they're interesting, too. So let's get to it. I became a new member at Thrive (coughs) just a year ago this week. Joining a gym like Thrive with an emphasis on small group training, especially when you have members that are in great shape, can be very intimidating. How do you make Thrive an approachable and less intimidating environment for new members? You go. Oh, great. All right. So my whole thing is making sure that whoever walks into the door automatically knows that they're the main concern of what it is we're doing that day. So making sure that they know whatever they do need is going to be individualized to them, and they don't have to compete with anybody that is in here. It's all about making sure that they are getting themselves better and not aiming for whoever else is in the gym with them. They're just there for purposes of creating a community, being friends with one another, helping each other through things, not competing in a sense. So making sure that, like I said, when they walk through it, they know that it's individualized to them, making sure they know that whoever's there, me, Connor, or Derek, they can trust us, they can ask us any questions they want, make sure that whatever the question is, they don't have to be afraid to ask the question. And a lot of times before they walk in, we have taken them through a process of making sure that some things are met or we at least know some things about them in the background of them coming in. So that... As far as their like physical... Yeah, limitations, backgrounds. things that they're wanting to reach, goals, things that they want to achieve in their time here, whether it's a day or a week, like what, what are they trying to get out of coming in here? And then from there, we just try to map out the direction and then like I said make sure that they know it's for themselves not to compete against someone else in the gym yeah I know one of the things for me when I first came in was uh, you incorporate some really complex movements that you know I either wasn't familiar with or even like a deadlift that I've done before um, just something I haven't done in a while introducing people to those complex movements and like the way that um, you know you talk about individual focus the way that you sort of go through that so maybe Derek, you could talk about, you know, how you introduce people to these more complex uh, physical fitness movements. Yeah, so there, this, this question is a very, very deep-rooted question, and it really speaks to the core of what we stand for here at Thrive Fitness and Wellness. So let me thank you for asking the question, Steve. And also, thanks for joining us. I know I've said it a ton of times, but I really do appreciate you coming on. I had asked Steve... excuse me, last week, because he asked me some very interesting questions here and there over the year that he's been here. I said, hey, what do you think about coming on? Just asking us some questions. Now, another quick aside is Brandon and I have not seen these questions. So that's that's kind of a twist that we didn't throw out at you guys. So 
this is this is really interesting. I actually insisted that we wouldn't have this material beforehand so that we could answer answer genuinely and not have something that was scripted. Steve may not have agreed that that was the best thing to do. Anyway, so just if you could ask the question again so that we have the listeners on board. Yep, so I guess it's sort of a two-part question. Um, the first part is making a small group gym atmosphere more inviting and less intimidating for new members. And sort of what goes along with that is introducing people to some more of the complex movements. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for the small group personal training environment and the atmosphere, one of the things that we, we've decided and we've kind of learned over the year or so that we've been in business is that it's very important that we have a good ratio between instructors to members there. Right now, presently, we're at a 10 to, one, uh, 10 to 2 or 5 to 1, and that's members to instructors. So you're going to have about 10 members in the room, and you have two instructors in each class. Our first and most important aspect of what it is that we do is that we keep people safe. So as Brandon was saying, asking people some questions about what their background is in fitness, if they have any background in fitness, and hopefully... And that's something that we touch base on before they even entered. So we reach out to them if someone's recommended them through text message or maybe it's a phone call or an email. Like, hey, what's your background in fitness? What's your experience? So if they have limited exposure to fitness, then we take them through some sort of an assessment. So then we'll have some kind of idea of where to start them. And sometimes that's not with the most complex movement. If it's someone who does have contraindications, which is one of our questions, what things will interfere with movement or exercise, that's when we start scaling things back and making sure that it's nothing that's going to seem too overwhelming. One of the other things that's really cool about our model is that there's so many different things that are going on in the room that I think it takes the focus away from those higher complex movements if you're doing something that's a little bit more simple. Another thing about what it is that we're doing here that helps with trying to create a little bit more comfortable of an atmosphere is that these are all movements that we're exposed to on a day-to-day -day basis. We just may not be familiar with them in the implements that we're using. So that's going to be like sitting and standing for the squat. We all sit down in a chair at some point in the day, stand up, bench press. We're going to be pushing and pulling open doors. So we have some sort of familiar, some sort of familiarity with that. And the deadlift we pick things up and we move them around. Maybe it's not off the ground and certainly not something with handles on it, but maybe they're grocery bags or maybe it's a bag or maybe we're moving around a laundry basket or something like that. So trying to put that into people's mind in terms of this is what we're essentially doing here, I think helps in easing the anxieties of coming into the room. So I, I think that, is that? Yeah, great. Okay, cool. I think you hit it, All right. nail on the head. Working out three or more times a week was a big change for me. And I think that if anybody came to Thrive or you know a similar gym and put in 90 <laughs> days of consistent working out under um, your training, that they would stick around because the results are fantastic. So uh, my question is, how do you motivate people to come back for the first 30, 60, or 90 days? Because that's really the most important uh, thing I think as far as like getting back into fitness goes mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll take the lead on this I'm gonna hit the, I'm gonna just hit you back with that question what kept you well I'll <laughs> I'll tell you basically um, 
since high school, I haven't really done that many athletic activities. And I have, uh, I'm an attorney, so you know, I'm sitting behind a desk all day, and I could see myself getting more and more out of shape. And basically at the age of 32, I decided that something needed to happen. So I told you when we first spoke mm -hmm. on the phone a year ago, I said, I'm gonna give you three months, and if uh, I see results, I'll stick with it, and if I don't, I'm gonna leave. And you know, that was, for me, it was a, a huge thing for me, because I saw great results, and it's the best thing I did last year, absolutely. Oh, wow, that's awesome. What would you say your results were? I mean, I know we had the, the, the conversation about skiing, right? And so that was a big thing, making sure that we had the stamina, endurance, and legs, and being able to be on the mountain. And there was some talk right. of yard work and stuff like that. Right. Initially, I was, I go skiing all the time. And basically, um, I was having trouble skiing all day. You know, I got tired. My quads got tired. My legs got tired. So that's the first thing we focused on. And I saw huge results yeah. as far as, as um, skiing ability. Uh, and also, you know, you talk about functional uh, fitness. Yeah. I had to move... 50 pound bags of grass seed around the house, around the yard this summer, and it was yeah. like no problem. That's awesome. Um, so, but in addition to that, your positive attitude. And if anybody's met Derek before, <laughs> you're, at first you're not gonna believe that this guy could be this positive, and he is, and it's genuine, and that was a huge, uh, a huge thing for me to keep me come back, coming back. And I know when we first started, uh, we would talk at least every week, or sometimes you would call me too to make sure everything is going well. I remember specifically I missed two classes because I think it was down in New York City for a meeting. I missed like three or four and you told me to come down on an odd day when you normally don't have um, a class just to fit me in to make sure I got a workout, one workout in that week. So yeah. all those things sort of helped me. Yeah, yeah. And sorry to put that question back on you, but you know, I could verbalize that and that's exactly what I would say is there's a vested interest in each one of the people that walk in into Thrive. It doesn't matter if it's for a week or for a month or for a year. Every time that we get the chance to interact with them and work with them on their fitness and wellness, mm -hmm. there's that best in interest. So we are, we're checking in with people, making sure that they're getting what they need. We're helping build that mentality that you're not just working on the physical fitness here, you're working on functional fitness, things that are going to improve your day-to-day -day life. Yeah, we all want to look better naked. That's awesome. That's a really important results-driven aspect of what it is that we do. But man, looking better naked and feeling like we can't get out of bed in the morning or if we can't take our body skiing or we can't pick up that 50 pound bag or you know that pack of water or whatever it is, what's the point? So we need to be able to structure a program, which we do, that will help leverage those abilities outside of here. I'm in the boat, like I said, with the first question that as long <coughs> as they come in and they can trust whoever they're with, then there will be results. You can get results anywhere. Honestly, if you depends on what you're looking for specifically, but consistency, yeah. Any gym you can go to, you can get results, but depends on people that are there, trainers wise. Do you trust them? Do you like the people you're around? So making sure, kind of going back to building a community that whoever walks in the door, it's something that they want to be around, and it's not. All right, I got to go to the gym today. I hate this person. Blah blah. They're always there. It's all right. Like this is gonna be fun. Everyone there is cheering me on. Like I'm. You've made friends here. You've made people and met them that like keep you coming back as much as like you do like the fitness. It's as much as like, all right, I'm gonna joke around with this guy tonight, and it's it's fun to be there. Except for your arch nemesis, the yeah, guy. The guy. Listen, I like I like Jay. He's a he's a great guy, and I'll tell you what. As far as um, community bonds here at the gym, uh, one of the members offered to cook me dinner. 
later this month. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. All right. But yeah, so making sure that whoever, whoever does walk through the door, they know like that also this isn't a sprint. So making sure in a sense of the results are going to come, but if we don't build the proper foundation, which is specific proficiency through movement pattern or specific habits like eating, changing how we eat, changing our habits on a daily basis of adding working out to our schedule three times a week. It's, there's a lot of different ways to look at it and it's not just uh, make your workouts crazy and sweat a certain amount every time you walk in. It's making sure that it becomes a habit and it's not just like a flash in the pan, which I always say like with certain things that people try to do to get fit. And that's, that's my answer to that. All right. So there are some seriously strong people at this gym, right? <laughs> we have several former D1 athletes. We have uh, one guy who was a power lifter at Nationals this year. We have a state police officer. We have all these guys that are in their 20s that can literally do anything after drinking beer all night. And then there's people that I like to refer to as regular people like me. <laughs> uh, maybe they did high school athletics, maybe they haven't done so much since then. And we have these individuals that are uh, high fitness achieving and then regular people like me all in the same room at the same time. So I wanna know how you train somebody just getting back into working out compared to somebody who has been working out for decades. So it seems like it would be very complicated, but it's actually really, really simple. It's my favorite thing. And it's just a matter of meeting people exactly where they're at the day that they're here. When they walk in the door, where are they at? And sometimes those D1 athletes have an off day. And sometimes when they have that night of drinking, they come back the next day and they're, they're not moving all that weight. Instead, they're just there to move around. So the most important thing is that we're moving with quality, we're safe. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Go to Brandon. <laughs> uh, when my, my favorite thing is when someone walks in that's brand new because it's basically a, a whiteboard or a canvas of sorts that you can kind of make your own because with the D1 athlete comes, not everybody, but comes the slight history and ego of what they did and what they want to be able to do. Most of them are, I haven't done this in this long, I want to get back to this. And it's like, okay, we can, but it takes time. And it's like, all right, I was at this point, I have to work all the way back, blah, blah, blah. New person walks through the door, someone who's never really done this before, someone who's excited to do it, and it's you get the chance to kind of shape them with your thought, which always isn't the greatest if you get with the wrong person, but it's helpful because... They're not really, not that questioning is a bad thing, but it's like they're putting their trust in you to help them succeed. So when they're a new person and new to the gym and new to the atmosphere, you can kind of, like I said, mold them into what you think is your idea of fitness or mm -hmm. your idea of what helps with general life. That's, uh, I think that's probably the coolest thing. And like coming into this, I've when I first started, I was just graduating college and I was like, oh yeah, I want to work with like, athletes at some point in my life and I mm -hmm. want to do like sports like basketball players like I want to work with NBA players at some point in my life and now like and Derek always told me he's like it's not that he doesn't want to work with athletes but like it comes with obviously 
baggage with it. And mm-hmm. I've come to realize that, like, with that, I definitely thoroughly enjoy working with someone who's new, like, way more than I did when I started. Yeah, and, and I totally gapped on that. I actually was nervous that I had some sort of a, I don't know, it totally blacked out when I was talking before. But <laughs> I got the thought back, thank God. So what I was saying and what I meant to say is that fitness exists on a spectrum. So regardless of where you are on that spectrum, it's just a matter of meeting you where you're at and then progressing you along that line. So being able to see what people's biomechanics are, how they move through all these functional movement patterns that we are going to see on a day-to-day basis is a really good way to indicate where to start them and then how proficient they are in that movement pattern. Then we could start to increase the skill or increase the performance in a variety of ways. And then there's some encouragement and then there's some where some interaction where we get some feedback from them and say, hey, how does that feel? Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, where are you at today? And then we're able to either pull a little bit more out of that or get them to say, hey, maybe today's not the day for that. So something like that, but it's all on the spectrum and it's all about continuing to push that person a little bit forward or progress them in some way, shape or form, which is not a single dimensional thing. There's a myriad of ways that we can improve someone's fitness. Uh, we're going to move on just because we're limited on time here, but I did want to also point out to uh, everybody listening here is amongst the people that are working out here, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people do have different goals that they're trying to achieve and you sort of tailor their workouts towards that goal, whether it's um, a particular movement or you know losing weight or gaining muscle. So I think that's you know, also important for people to hear. Uh, all right, so when I started working out, here, a lot of the exercises were scaled down for good reason. I'll be honest, I was a little self-conscious about that, right? Sure. Everybody gets like a little vulnerable or nervous when, you know, you're doing something new and you see a guy or a girl in the same gym doing the movement and then you're sort of doing a modified version. Mm -hmm. Why was it wrong for me to feel that way? Well, it wasn't wrong for you to feel that way. Maybe it wasn't wrong. It's human nature. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's, I would go with Brandon on that. It's human nature. We're equipped with this sense of ego. Like, we should be able to do this, or we should be able to outperform this person, especially like this guy girl thing, you know? Like, I, I should be able to lift more than this chick. Who's she? Whatever the case is, or this younger guy, like, you know, I've been around longer. I'm, I weigh more. I should be able to outlift him or something like that so it's just rooted in ego and it's okay there's nothing wrong with that I mean you know I work out with Brandon all the time and if he beats me in a workout I'm like screw Brandon man (laughs) (laughs) you mean you're not excited for his accomplishments and achievements (laughs) not initially no so and this thing is like you know as, as long as I've been at this I can still be honest with myself after the fact I'm like yeah man like you deserve you you had to work hard for that one like I didn't give you that so that it's still there's still that contention with ego it exists across the board and it's cool that you experience that because that's also a motivating factor but recognizing it and being able to harness it temper it that's really important for being able to be in a place where you can grow that yourself because it can very easily become something and it happens all the time where it ends up stifling people's growth so that's another place where we come in it's very important as us for us as instructors or anyone who's a practitioner of fitness to be like hey listen this is why we're scaling this. We want to make sure that we're, that we're safe here. We want to make sure that we're acquiring the skill and progressing it accordingly. Yeah, I, knew, I know that you can move the weight, but we don't have the skill down yet. 
You know, so helping people understand that I'm not just doing this because you're not as strong as this chick over here. If Janine listens to this, she's going to be upset because I said chick twice. <laughs> this young lady, you know, so like it's just a matter of helping that person understand. Because you, you don't know coming in here. People don't know coming in here as a member off of the street or, you know, having experience in fitness elsewhere or being able to deadlift 300 pounds and then coming in and only being able to deadlift 135 while there's a, a woman beside them deadlifting 175. You think I should be able to do that, and then you may put yourself in a risky situation. It's not a sprint. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. It's not a sprint. Skinny boy says. Skinny boy says. Quote it. So with beating, it's not a sprint. Is when we take those steps back in the beginning. It's for the specific reason that we want to do this for a long time, not just lift as much as we can over the weekend and then do what we can the rest of the time. It's slowly progressing, feeling certain things through certain movements being able to control certain points of the movement and that's when we lower injury risk that's when longevity starts to increase and we start to be able to do this for our goal at least my goal is to do this for a while yeah and lifting heavy weight so like being able to function through specific movements and even i say this all the time me and derek still do scale movements i scale movements all the time where i step back and i do things a certain way not because like i can do it better but it, it helps it helps you when you stand back and like you're lifting 300 pounds is different from lifting 95 pounds, but it's in the same boat because you can see things at 95 that you can at 300. There's certain things you're going to do at 300. Your body's just going to take over no matter what you do that. If you are at 95 pounds, you're not going to see. So going back and taking a step back is always going to be beneficial to any athlete, any experience level at any time. What is this question five? Um, I don't know. I didn't actually number them. Oh, you didn't? There, there may not even be 10 questions here. Oh, wow. All right. Cool. I like it. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for some forgiveness from you and whoever's listening. That We're going to go over here. So just when that clock beeps, that we keep on going. We're going to overtime today. All right. All right. So there we go. There we go. I'm enjoying this. Why, um, so another thing I notice when I'm here is I'm like ecstatic that I'm at the gym at three or four times a week. That's great for me. But I know other people are working out more than that. Mm. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing. And my question is, why do some people have problems with overtraining? Why do they have problems with overtraining? So there, there's really two ways that we can interpret that question. One is in the literal sense of overtraining their body. So like, are we talking about in the aspect of poor biomechanics and like their lower back is always sore? Or are we talking about more in terms of like, maybe more like mentally you know in terms of like I feel like I need to work out that much and I can't stop myself from working out so there's like a physical or mental side mm -hmm. do you have more of a specific do you, which one of those are you well I think they sort of go hand in hand because I know they do. Um, I know some people that have gotten injured from working out too much mm -hmm. uh, or I know some people that were trying to achieve a fitness goal and they've taken a couple steps back because they're trying to do too much yeah. so you know it sort of goes hand in hand um trying to do too much physically yeah set you back but it ha there has to be a mental aspect to it so, too yeah yeah and i'm glad that you said that because you're absolutely right they they are intimately tied so previously we were talking about the ego and how that's tied into this and that's that's probably the answer here is the the link to overtraining is is somehow rooted in the ego of feeling like if I do more, I'm going to achieve my results faster. 
where it is, as Brandon's been saying, as we've been talking about here pretty frequently throughout this conversation, that's consistency. It's not flash in the pan. It's not in and out. It's just consistency. Consistency breeds results. So you just one or two days a week, if you continue to do that one, two, or your body will eventually adapt to that one or two days a week of training. And then you increase to three and then maybe to four. And then we can start to talk about the intensity element. If you're trying to attack workouts intensely four or five days a week, most of us can't handle that. Our body can't repair quickly enough to be able to continue to put out that sort of performance four or five days a week. Honestly, probably three, maybe four. And then that fifth or that sixth day, if that's not a recovery day, you're doing it wrong. I don't like to throw a lot of blanket statements around, but if you're trying to work out five or six days a week intensely, you are getting diminishing return, no doubt. Yeah, I think that, I'm gonna take this in a little bit different direction, but I think most of the time overtraining occurs because of things that happen outside the gym. So most people can't either handle stressors that are outside and that leaks into their training. So bad days at work, long nights, no sleep, into training the next day, which leads to overtraining. But there is also the aspect that people go too hard on every day of the week because they feel like they're trying to play catch up to certain people, which again, leads back to the competition thing is they're comparing themselves to somebody and then they're chasing them and to them, chase is like a dog with a tennis ball on whatever the rope that's in front of it. You're never gonna actually catch it, but you're just gonna do it until you get tired or you just wear yourself out and then you're just gonna sit, like try to piece the things back together. So making sure that people understand the whole concept that you need to control outside of here, you need to control sleep and what you're taking into your body because that's the first step that's gonna lead to overtraining. And we talked about it last week, like the diet a little bit, is like you can out-train that for a little bit, but then once you get into like the hard training, like year, like a year in at least, like once we start getting to those numbers that are plateauing a little bit and like we need to make things a little bit more specific in training if we don't have the habits outside of it, that's what's gonna to lead to overtraining. Also, if you're following something or don't have a coach or someone in your ear saying like, all right, let's not do this today or you had a rough week, like let's not do this this week. Maybe we take a step back and you're just going and going and going and going and going and going. You're just going to burn out and then, like I said, piece it back. You're going to have to try to find the time to piece it back together or you're going to get hurt and you're going to have to take a step back. So trying to make sure they know the steps to not have to take the step back when they're going to have to when they get hurt is important. All right, I'll, I'll tell you guys, the number one advantage of working out here and having one person to, what is a five to one ratio, yep. is that I know you're not gonna let me get injured. And um, I always tell you both, don't let me get hurt during, during our <laughs> workout sessions. Uh, and it's sure. because I can't afford it. I'm self-employed, mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time in the Adirondacks fishing and hiking, and if I have to be laid up for two, three, God forbid any more than that, I would literally lose my mind. So um, I wanna know, how do you make sure nobody's gonna get hurt here? So meeting people where they're at on that day, to put it short, and that's asking the question, how does your body feel? How's, how's the week been going? How's the day been? And then there's this very quick equation that we come up with in our mind not equation, but we figure out what that amounts to. So there's an equation, we plug those numbers in, and then on the other side, we sum that up. 
and uh, my day has been awful this week. I've been dealing with so much. I'm dealing with this neck pain. I haven't slept. I've been sleeping three hours a night. Hardly drank any water over the last three days. I had a piece of bread yesterday. We're going. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going. Let's say plus 10. So <laughs> As long as I'm getting paid by the minute. That's right. That's right. It's overtime. It's double time. So it, it, meeting people where they're at on that day. And this is kind of referring back to what I was saying earlier about fitness being on a spectrum. And depending on where you're at, that, that's really what defines how we're going to program that day and how we're going to meet you where you're at on that day. If you're dealing with all the stuff that I was just saying, having slept, the workout, the last few days have been really, really trying, you're frustrated, you're overly stressed, we're not maxing out that day. We're probably not hitting the numbers that day. We're probably going to alter the workout to be able to accommodate any sort of predispositions you have. So if I have a neck thing, we're probably not going to be doing much upper body except for maybe doing some sort of myofascial release or stretching, mobilizing, opening up our chest and our shoulders. Maybe we're doing some light squatting. Basically, to put it as simple as possible, is we're going to minimize your stress inside here because we cannot control your stress outside of here. So this ends up being something that we can reinvest into yourself in this experience in that hour. So that's the most important piece. If someone's having a great week, they're not feeling like they're under stress, they're, they've been fueled properly, and we know that they can move well, and they've got the experience and the proficiency in the movement patterns, there's not really a lot we need to worry about there. Say the quote, the injury quote, the Derek Gelato original. No. Is this right. giving me right now? Injury is the result oh. of your body not being able to slow down. Or injury is the result of not being able to the slow down. The body's inability. Inability. Yeah. yeah. So that's a Derek Gelato original. But it's not I think it is. Whatever. <laughs> it is for here. But again, having the coach in your ear to kind of bounce things back and forth and being able to see everybody on a day to day basis also helps. But making sure that. Everything that we do here is, I, I think our main advantage in keeping everybody healthy is that we stick with our goal of general fitness for the most part. Besides you, you guys who are doing the powerlifting meet, this is more of like a speciali specialization. So we're kind of, we're specializing in lifting for a one rep max. Most people here are lifting for general fitness, so we're not asking them to do things that are out of their realm so if someone walks in and we ask how's your day and they're like all right it was terrible repeat everything Derek said I slept for three hours and I haven't had water in a week mm -hmm. and we're not gonna be like all right well we got a competition coming up so like we can't do that it's like all right well then let's just ride the bike for 20 minutes 15 minutes that's injury occurs when you start reaching you start trying to do things that you shouldn't be doing or can't and you don't have the person in your ear to tell you that. Because most of the time when overtraining, when you feel overtraining, it started a while ago. It started a month ago when you were like, oh, today doesn't feel like a great day. And then two weeks in, you're like, I can't do this movement anymore. Or like this hip pain is really bothering me now. And then a month in, you're like, all right, I don't even want to work out anymore. I can't wake up. I don't want to eat. All right, I'm just losing appetite. My attitude sucks now. And it's just, it, that's why we have to kind of, when we ask the questions, like we've said, when we ask someone how their day is, it's not to be like, we're just not asking it to ask. We're asking to make sure that we're keeping you safe because... We're taking data. Yeah, data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, essentially. 
we're making sure that when the not that we don't care, is, yeah. very much care. No, we care. Well, I'm saying <laughs> we care too. We but, care about your dad. But it is. It's rooted in making sure that people are safe. It, you know, there's definitely again a vested interest. Like we care about the person that we're talking to, but it, safety is our top priority. And when I ask at the beginning of class, and I say, "How how was your day?" I know it sounds repetitive, but like I'm serious. Like, how was it? Was it long? Was it a good day? Did you have stress? Did you not have stress? Like, how how was it that when we go into this exercise here, what is the intensity we're trying to pull? What are we trying to get out of it? And I think that gets confused with a lot of people is because you go into a certain setting and they they talk about general fitness or they talk about putting something first, but then the intensity or what they're trying to pull out of the exercise gets skewed and confused and then things happen like injuries. So, uh, Changing gears here. Being healthy is more than working out. It's about nutrition too. How do you approach talking to a member about their diet? Very carefully. You have to, right? It has to be very careful. <laughs> there is this very strong emotional tie. It's There's a psychology to it. Not to say I understand the psychology to it, but that's, that's the best way to sum it up. And what I've experienced after doing this for a little over a decade now and even myself, is that there's this attachment to what it is that we fuel our bodies with. There are very few things that we are aware of that we actually have control over inside what our existence is in the day-to-day. -day. If I have a little bit of money and I know that there's a food that I really enjoy, I can take that little bit of money and I can go down to the store that I like to go to and I can purchase that and I can consume that. And that's mine and no one can take that away from me. It's very empowering, it's very freeing, even though it might not be the best thing for our health. It's something that we can manage and control. And there's very little that anybody else can do to stop us from doing that. So that's what I mean when there's a psychology to it. There's a motivation aspect to it. So when you talk to someone about, hey, I think we need to alter your nutrition, these are the reasons why, yeah. I, I, ex I exercise extreme precaution there because a lot of that stuff is deeply rooted. And I think you know what I'm talking about because we've had some conversations about nutrition, right? So depending on what angle that we're taking there, it's not a matter of you having improper nutrition. It's a matter of what are our goals? Do we want to feel better? Do we want to be able to perform better? Do we want to lose weight? Because these are the things that we know are going to hold you back from getting there. So then we just have to weigh that out. Us, as well as that individual, we have that conversation and be like, hey, these are the things that are holding you back. Are you willing to let them go so that we can achieve those goals? Or are they that important to you that you wanna to continue to have that half gallon of ice cream every night before you go to sleep because it's yours? And you'd rather have that than lose the 10 pounds. And not that it's that cut and dry, but it's pretty easy to say that if we're having ice cream before we go to bed every night, if we stopped, we're probably going to lose some weight. So that all depends on what someone's level of comfort is with partying with that. Yeah, I think pretty similar. Extreme caution and uh, making sure that the person does understand there are changes that can be made and kind of lead them to the options that they have and then let them know that maybe we can test the waters out with some of the things. It doesn't have to be a one day drop everything and never touch it again. Like we oftentimes keep saying that small changes are gonna be the best changes. So maybe just 
telling them the options that they have, let them know how they can increase that option or increase protein in their diet or increase a certain macronutrient in their diet that they're not getting enough of or take something, usually try to avoid taking something away and just adding a better option in place of it. So I guess that would be kind of very similar to what Derek said. I'm very on the same page. Yeah, and just one other quick thing. It's very much like working out. Mm -hmm. It's scaling appropriately and then progressing. Meeting that person where they're at, scaling accordingly, and then progressing. When you're ready to stop having that half gallon of ice cream, maybe that looks like a quart first or whatever, or a pint or whatever, I don't know what sizes are, but like, you know, we have a little bit less. And then maybe that turns from five nights a week to four nights a week to three nights a week. Just the reverse of I'm working out one day and then I start to do two and then three and four. You know, it's just scales and progressions. Great. And um, how do you keep people motivated to eat a healthier diet? So you have that discussion and they're doing better. Mm -hmm. But how do you keep them motivated? Because it's not, you know, we don't make these changes right. day one and then it's no problem. Yeah. Motivation is super tricky. It's tricky across the board. The most successful mechanism that I've come up with to this point, I think it's pretty powerful, is minimizing the shame experienced in this situation for that individual. And that's different. That's so subjective. Some people have a very high tolerance for it. And they're just like, yeah, tell me that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Tell me how to fix it. And then some people are super sensitive. And I'm one of those people much more sensitive to criticism, so I get it. So being able to say to someone, hey, listen, like, yeah, maybe we slipped up a little bit. Not broken. We're, we didn't fail. Failure doesn't exist. It's just what did we learn from here? What were our triggers in this situation? What can we take away? And so not allowing that person to shame themselves or to feel shamed by the conversation, to feel like they're defeated, because that's not good for anybody there, but instead being like, what, what can we take away? How can we feel empowered from the situation? Because we can. I just need to work with you so that we can both figure out how to discover that. And then we pick ourselves up and we move forward. Yeah, I would make sure they've seen what they've done. Make sure that even if it is a small change, let them know that it's like a huge change. Whether it is like having half of whatever you're eating ice cream wise, having half of that is a huge change. And sometimes it's sometimes it's easier because people start seeing results and then they just follow that train but then other times when like we do struggle to take something away it's letting them know that like when they do take that little piece or I don't know instead of having four cookies a night they have two it's to let them know like all right like we're making a positive change so let's keep that train rolling and let's just make sure maybe this week we try just one cookie a night and just make sure that we also keep the end goal in mind, let them know that like we are aiming for something. If they do have an end goal, so if they do want to lose weight, let them know. Be like, we're on the right track here. Show them, tell them, give them encouragement and confidence. And I, I always say that people are just looking for confidence when they do reach out to somebody, whether it's in their decision to make the decision they made or confidence to go the opposite direction. So when they reach out, it's just being their support and confidence. Usually when, and again, it's the same thing. Usually when there is food in the background, like Derek said, it usually has something to do with something else in their life. So a stressor or a past event in their life that led to them having that in that extent that they do. And like being able to understand some nights I did have four 
servings of ice cream. It's like, all right, well, why? Like, what, what was the reason why maybe you're stressed out? And it all relates back to, like I said, controlling or doing the best to let them know that we're here for them. That's the only thing we can really do is let them know that no matter what, we're not going to, again, shame them. And we're going to let them know that through this, however long they're with us, is we're going to help them as best we can. I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, it's not just about reducing quantity because that's like sort of um, easy for me to grasp. But one issue that I had specifically was a lot of Friday nights I go up to Lake Placid for the weekend. And you're out of work. You want to get up there and you pick up food on the way. And when you're, whenever you're grabbing food in a rush, it's usually not that healthy. So um, you had suggested to you know, think about the situation you're going to be and to, about the situation you're going to be in beforehand and try to adjust for it. So what I did was uh, we started making like a healthy dinner to eat in the car on the way up. And that was like a huge change because all of a sudden every Friday night I'm eating something healthy and not something unhealthy. So that, you know, Game that was changer. great for me. Plenty. So, uh, so with that, that's all the, all the questions that I have for today. So I'll turn it back over to you guys. Yeah, that was, this was, this was really fun. I want to do this again. Hopefully, uh, plan another time to do this. Yeah, who's question. next? Yeah. If anybody <laughs> wants to step up to the plate. <laughs> but seriously, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, if you guys have any questions, you know where to reach us. And we'll see you guys next time. Very special thanks to Steve, Steve Buckley. Buckley. Thanks for all those questions and thanks for being patient. We were far over our cap. Thanks for listening, guys. Steve Buckley, he's a lawyer.